The Walk the Mile podcast is produced on Gadigal land. I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which Skeg Starlinghurst stands, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. May our reconciliation be an ongoing process of love and compassion. Hello everyone, I'm Gary Lee Lindsay, school chaplain at Skeggs Darlinghurst, and you're listening to Walk the Mile, a podcast that opens up conversations that we need to have. Hello everyone, and welcome to Walk the Mile. Good to have you with us. Today, another great episode. I hope you enjoy it. This time I'm talking to a longtime teacher here at Skeggs, Amy Marrero, part of our English department. How long have you been here for, Amy? This is my 13th year, Gary. 13 years. Fantastic. And you've been teaching English, been in the English department mm-hmm. for that whole time. That's right. That's great. And... But today we're sort of wanting to talk about something else that you're doing. How long have you been involved in mindfulness here at school? Um, I would say uh, since around the pandemic, just before the pandemic actually Mm -hmm. hit, um, I started becoming interested in mindfulness. And so it actually was really perfect timing because it was something that I found particularly helpful through that pandemic was having a mindfulness practice myself. Right. So the timing worked out brilliantly. Of course, of course. Because it was how I found it to be such a personally um, enriching and um, effective tool, then I really felt like I need to pass that knowledge on and to teach it to other young people as well that might benefit. And what was it that sort of brought you to that interest in mindfulness? Did, was there, yeah. did someone tell you about it or was it yeah. something that you were looking up? It was um, through doing some yoga classes, actually. I started doing some yoga classes and I found that period of time at the end of the yoga class um, where you do the breathing and the um, vinasapa, it's called, um, that part was so just so lovely and so calming and relaxing, that bit of stillness at the end that, I started to become more interested in mindfulness and finding out more about it. And I guess another thing that um, really inspired me, a person who inspired me was Holly Guyton. You're right. Um, so it, I had I've been sort of teaching English now for a while um, and, and I was sort of just wondering about my own career professionally and the direction that I might take the next sort of step. And so I was having some conversations with her and she brought up, the idea of the staff scholarship and perhaps using that to explore an area of interest that might sort of reinvigorate my own passion for teaching or take me in a new sort of direction mm-hmm. or tangent um, so that I felt like I was continuing to grow and, and continuing to be really interested in what I was doing. Right. And so she told me just to go away and think about something that I was really passionate about, that I, that I love, that I might be interested in exploring and to really think broadly and think big about what that could possibly be. And that was the thing that I um, landed on. And so 
we talked a little bit more and she helped me to put my application together for the staff scholarship. And that included three different aspects. So the first aspect was a two month um, MBSR course, which was to learn mindfulness myself. Mm -hmm. I had to do 45 minutes of practice every day. Right. Um, so I actually found that I was trying to do some of it at school and occasionally I'd be up in classrooms or in the chapel or in different parts of the school doing my practice every day, right. which was a little bit strange, but actually it was it was amazing because doing it every day for that long really embedded the practice um, more deeply and we had weekly meetings for a couple of hours mm -hmm. and it was a really, really good course. Wow. And then after that, I was the next step of the next part of the the scholarship that I put together because what I'd like to do is about then how do I teach mindfulness? So I had a personal practice that I'd sort of established, begun to establish, and then I was researching different courses and I found this great course by um, a mindfulness teacher down at Geelong Grammar. who had been teaching down there and been the coordinator down there for um, almost 20 years. Wow. Um, she's been teaching mindfulness in that context, but in other contexts as well, but mainly at Geelong Grammar, where they do a lot of positive education work and they have a whole institute of positive education, so they're sort of at the forefront of wellbeing. Um, and she had just designed a brand new course, and I was the first one that applied for it, but it ticked all the boxes that I was looking for in a course. So it was, it was Creative Certificate in Mindful Education. So she was originally an art teacher, so her style of teaching was really creative and she published a couple of books, um, a couple that I um, already had read about and, and was sort of looking at. And it was interesting, a moment of serendipity when I was, before I um, discovered the course, I was actually at the library and I was borrowing one of her books. And it was at that time that um, Jenny Allen called me to tell me that I'd been approved for the scholarship. Mm -hmm. And so it was it was a really nice moment because I thought, I didn't realise at that time, but now looking back, I realised how that was sort of the course that I actually ended up doing. And it was particularly that, particularly Janice's course, kind of coincided with the scholarship being awarded and it all, everything just kind of fell into line. So there was a lot of moments like that where things right, just kind just of fell, came together. Right, nicely. fell into place. Yeah. So I did that course. And then the third part of the scholarship was to travel overseas. So... Um, last December, I went finally because it was two years ago now that the scholarship was awarded, like with COVID restrictions now being a bit easier and lifted. Um, I went over to New York and visited three different schools and was investigating what they're doing in the wellbeing space. Right. And then in English as well, but particularly interested to see how schools in other parts of the world are managing. Um, the fallout, I guess, from COVID yeah. and what kinds of things they're doing yeah. mindfulness and yeah. different areas of the school. So that was really interesting. Um, the school I was at for the longest was Nightingale, Bamford, um, upper east side of New York. And we've actually got a couple of students that are here now that have come from Nightingale. Oh, right. Um, and Viv Rodder in drama, she went to visit Nightingale right. a few years ago too. So we've got a little bit of a connection with that school but it's a beautiful school. It's a school where they actually film Gossip Girl. Oh, right. So it's it's a girls' school. Yeah. Um, quite similar to Skates in a lot of ways. Yeah. It has a long history. It's quite academic. Um, they have a blue door instead of a green gate. And they have a publication <laughs> called Behind the Blue Door. <laughs> You're um, kidding. They have old wow. or they have a lot of 
similar kinds of terminology and like it's so very eerie. Isn't that they're interesting? So away, they're so similarities. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, they're doing a lot of interesting things there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all kind of that was the, that was a scholarship. So that was sort of the new direction that I wanted to take. Yeah. Not necessarily giving up the English, but just adding another area of, I guess expertise or well, maybe not expertise but growing expertise and well, something is. else that complements sort of the teaching yeah well that's what i was going to ask you i think there are expertise involved because you know you talked about all the courses you did and all the training you did uh there are it is quite mm-hmm. wide isn't it it's quite yeah. broad to for you to go and do all these courses yeah it's not just you know, to me, I guess, from an initial stage, I think mindfulness is just having some sort of peace of mind in a way, mm-hmm. but there's so much more to it. That's what right. sort of things were you learning about when you were studying? Um, you learn about the mind, but you also learn about, I guess, different ways in which people can relate to to their thoughts and and thinking about the mind in terms of how... Our awareness is, is separate to thoughts and emotions and trying to learn, I guess, and to practice that idea of um, recognising thoughts when they come up, recognising emotions, but not completely identifying with them. Right. That's one of the biggest things is that you learn to develop a relationship with your mind where rather than your thoughts and emotions driving you, you have a, a, a sense of sort of greater awareness and understanding of of your own mind it is I guess essentially that's sort of how I see it and the benefits of being able to to understand yourself better mm-hmm. so it's really a journey of sort of personal discovery of making that time to sit and just to be with yourself and see what comes up and sometimes those things that come up aren't always pleasant sometimes yeah, right. training yourself just to be able to sit with that uncomfortable feeling and and knowing that it's also going to pass and having yeah. that sort of trust yeah. that you know the thoughts and the feelings are sort of like the weather they're natural they come yeah. but they're not necessarily true and they're not always necessarily helpful and yeah. to distinguish between what's real and what's you know maybe just just for sure just, for sure thoughts or or sometimes, I know, you know, trying to get people to help people to just recognize that what they're feeling mm. is a feeling. Yes. It's just a feeling. Is yes. that what you're saying? That's right. Like this, I'm feeling this, but yes. it may not be really, or a thought. You know, some people say, I'm an overthinker. Mm. I think too much. Mm. I said, well, that's what you do. That's what your mind's there for. Your mind's there yes. to think about yes. stuff. That's right. And sometimes we think this is good, this is bad, or I shouldn't think this, but mm. they're there. Exactly. And you're saying by recognising that there's some there's some benefit in just recognising whatever your thought is. Yeah, exactly. Recognising it and, and not completely identifying it and thinking that it's you. So you might be having feelings of anxiety or you might be having feelings of worry or, you know, um, sadness, but you're not that. you're not that thing yeah. that's just feeling that's just the natural experience that your body and mind is having and if you can step back from that and create a little bit of space from that and just kind of notice it without without panicking without getting too overwhelmed by it and just trusting that yes that's there now but it will it won't be there forever it's going to change everything's always going to change that mm-hmm. idea of 
contaminants. I think it's a big tenant from from uh, that mindfulness suggests as well that things never stay the same. So you can kind of trust and and then start to ask yourself questions of all right, this is how I might be feeling, and I can feel this in my body. I can feel that I'm maybe I'm tense, and I can sense that in my body. I can sense the thoughts. What what can I do now for myself? What should I? Well, how can I look after myself in this moment to help myself to, to shift that state? Mm. Um, so one of the exercises that I've been doing with some students is just even using music as a simple way to shift our mind and our body because music is a powerful way that, you know, we listen to Taylor Swift song, like, shake it up, we can't help but move and mm. our, our thoughts kind of shift. So we can use music and we can use other senses as well as a way of trying to Sometimes, sometimes it is to distract, but other times it's also to shift mood and feeling. Yeah. Um, sometimes we just need to sit with someone and talk and to be heard. But having, but knowing that we can be responsible for that and that we don't need to um, panic and to make that whatever feeling that might be arising worse by becoming anxious that we are anxious, for example, mm, yeah. and then Would you say before you took on mindfulness or yeah. became more involved in it, yeah. would you say you were more anxious, more, because I see you as quite a calm person, a <laughs> peaceful person. Yes. But I guess what I'm asking is that, you know, has mindfulness made you less of those things or has it just made you more aware of those things because as you say yeah. you know no matter who we are yeah. there are going to be things in our world which mm. will mm. make us worry yeah. which will scare us which will make right. us sad yes but is it more that you're just aware of it rather than being less mm -hmm. of that um i would say that one of the things that drew me to mindfulness was um uh, probably a, a low level of anxiety that I would experience and I probably have for a long time since I was little. Right. Um, and that was, so that was the hook for me. I thought if I can kind of learn to manage this a little bit better um, through this kind of technique, um, that might be really beneficial. And as I said, the timing was great because when COVID hit, you know, a lot of people experience heightened anxiety yeah. instead of yeah. having to teach all of a sudden on Zoom and having two year 12 classes at that time, it was quite stressful. Um, so I would say that personally for me, I have learned how to just sort of accept that that is just part of who I am and it doesn't worry me anymore that that is part of who I am. Mm. Um, and I've actually been really, I, I think when I look back um, and reflect that mindfulness has given me a lot of confidence to step out of my comfort zone and to do things that normally I would never have. Right. 
Wow. So even going, even applying for the scholarship, putting my hand up in that way was actually quite a big thing for me to right. do. Um, and then to to do some study, to do courses, to travel to New York by myself and to meet new people and be you know, part of different school environments, um, mm. knowing that if I felt anxious that I didn't actually have to worry about it so much anymore. Yeah. If I could just feel it and then and that's, not, not that's it is. Yeah. So I think um, it stopped, perhaps in the past it stopped me from taking as many chances that I have been more willing now to, to take. Yeah. And that means that my life has been improved tremendously. Um, and I would say, you know, for me personally, mindfulness took me to the other side of the world. Yeah, sure. I go much further than New York. Sure. Um, and it's so great. I was able to, I've been able to do a lot because I just feel more confident that I don't need to worry that if I get scared or if I get nervous or if I get a bit shaky, which yeah. still sometimes happens during yeah. public speaking. Um doesn't matter so much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not worried so much about that. I just think, oh, well, I, I still want to do this. Yeah. Stop me from doing it. Yeah, this. and just do it. Yeah. I like what you said about the confidence because I think sometimes we think in terms of confidence, I have to be a stronger person mm -hmm. in order to do this. Mm -hmm. Come on, you can do this. You know, why don't you do these bits and that'll make you more confident to do that. Why don't you go and do this or whatever. Mm. But it sounds more like, what you're saying is that it was almost just an acceptance of yourself. Yeah. It was like yeah. you didn't have to be a different person. You didn't have person. to fix anything. No. Fix anything. No. It was just like, hey, you know what? Just me as myself can do these things. Yeah. And, I, you know, the reason that I probably do get worried is because I really care about certain things and that's mm. where it comes from. If I didn't care about my work or if I didn't care about my family, I probably wouldn't worry, <laughs> but I do care a lot, and that's just part yeah. of how that works. Yeah, and, that's right, part of your makeup. Yeah. When you talk about mindfulness practice, let's say that I came in to you today and said, Amy, I'm flipping out. <laughs> give me some, give me a mindfulness practice. What would you say to me? Would you, would there be something? Because I often think about, you know, the mindfulness practices that I've been involved in, it is about putting the music on and yep. sitting still and mm -hmm. closing your eyes. Yeah. But is is there something else? Like, yes. let's say, look, I've got a, sorry, I've got a meeting in five minutes. I mm -hmm. can't do that. Mm -hmm. What would you suggest? Um, maybe, maybe a breathing exercise. So um, the, the box breathing exercise is a good, really short one. And I know that um, even in the Army and Navy SEALs actually practice, they get taught breathing exercises to help them with really stressful situations that they're in and box breathing is one of the ones so where you just literally sort of stop where you are and you can, it's often helpful to close your eyes but you're sort of just breathing in and then holding your breath and in your mind's eye you're tracing a box no, so no. you're sort of breathing in and then you hold and you breathe out you hold and you're kind of visualising the box. It doesn't really matter necessarily the shape, but that's the one that's yeah, really right. used. And you just keep your attention on the breath so that by, and by doing that, whenever your attention is just focused on one thing and often it is a sensory type of thing and the breath is included in that, it helps to quieten some of those other thoughts that might be rushing in and so that you can create a little bit of spaciousness, a little bit of room to kind of gather yourself and, and to feel a bit more steady mm, right. so then you can 
go ahead and you have a bit right. more clarity of what you're doing next. Um, so the box reading is quite a useful one, and I have used that in the past as well. Um, sometimes just there's an exercise called three, two, one, which is a fast one as well, where um, you have you might use your senses again and, and look around and sort of notice three things and just sort of name mentally name three things that you can see, and then you might have two feet and you feel your two feet on the ground, so your three, and then your two feet on the ground, you feel, you really feel your feet on the ground, you focus on that sense of being grounded, mm. and then you take a deep breath, one deep breath in and out, and that's that can take 15 seconds or 10 seconds, mm. and it can be just a way of trying to place your attention somewhere other than the thoughts that are rushing yeah. in, if they're rushing yeah. in, the thoughts aren't helpful, so trying to distract yourself and create a little bit of space again, so that you can just work out what is the best thing to do next. How do I approach this yeah, right. situation might be? And those, just when you're talking about those exercises, it's very much bringing yourself back to the now, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. What's going on now? Like and we were talking before about anxiety, and anxiety is often about something in the future. Exactly. I'm worried about something that hasn't yet happened yet and almost mm -hmm. imagining or yep. catastrophizing how that's going yes. to be, yes. but bringing back to the now. That's right. How do you promote mindfulness to someone who is very, very anxious? Okay, I think with someone that already, like if you're in a really heightened state of anxiety, um, sometimes sitting still is really hard to do. Yeah. And closing your eyes and counting your breaths or those sorts of things can be actually not very helpful at all. Um, so I think if you're actually in that sort of state of heightened anxiety, sometimes moving is better. So there are um, walking mindfulness exercises that you can do where you are just sort of feeling your body sort of walking, trying to you know, really sense your feet as you're sort of treading on the ground and you might have sort of a 10-metre or 5-metre track that you're just walking back and forth, but actually the movement helps to relax you a yeah, little bit right. to give you something to do because it can be very hard to sit still when your mind is like that if you're in a heightened state of yeah. anxiety. And for some people that do have perhaps a trauma background, you have to be really sensitive to that yeah. um, because it can stopping to sort of look at your thoughts if, if you know, those thoughts are really dark and really yeah. unhelpful. It might not be the best thing to do for some people. Mm -hmm. So um, even as a teacher now of mindfulness, you have to be very conscious of that. So treading really lightly and going sort of slowly in terms of what you ask people to do and always letting people have a choice to mm -hmm. to, to stop or to opt out if they need to and knowing that that's absolutely respected and they don't have to do sure. So you'd give them a bit of a warning beforehand to say, yeah, if, that's if right. this is too much. Or... Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's right. Um, and sometimes just doing simple activities, even like mindful colouring in, if you're in a really heightened state, you, sometimes you do need a distraction. You need something else to mm. kind of do. So physical act of colouring in, as, as simple as it might seem, can be something that is just so simple and repetitive and easy that it just takes a little bit of your mind away from whatever it is that mm. is at that point mm. too overwhelming to deal with mm. until you feel a little bit better and then you might be able to do some other practices or, or talk to sure. someone. Do you think you can be mindful without knowing it? 
Um, I think some people are naturally a little bit more mindful. Yeah. yeah, I think if you're if you're in touch with your emotions, that's another aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, some people have a really good emotional intelligence of, of themselves. They know how they feel. Um, I think in our modern world that people are becoming less and less aware of sometimes how they mm. feel. They're living so much in their head yeah. um, and so much online that they sometimes disconnect from their bodies. And one of the things I really like about mindfulness is it does um, it does make you think about that connection between your mind and your body and your soul and those things yeah. and how integrated those things are so that the emotions often do live and start in your body. Yeah. And so being able to have a bodily awareness of how you're feeling in your body is one of the first sort of practices you learn in mindfulness. So um, lots of body scans and really just sort of trying to sense into how your body feels and then moving towards learning to identify how the emotions kind of do often live in different parts of your body um, and being able to recognise that so that you can, you know if you, if you might be heading towards um, a really unpleasant feeling before it gets there because you feel it in your body and then you can respond before it gets to a point which might be overwhelming. Yeah, right. Do you think your physical health has improved since you've yeah, been practising mindfulness? I think so because um, you become more aware of yeah, what your body needs, what your mind needs, when you need rest, um, what you're eating. Yeah, like, right. All of those things. I think if you start to really pay attention to yourself in in a kind of caring way, in a nurturing way, so that you're sort of the caretaker of your mind and your body, then naturally you want to look after yourself better mm -hmm. because you realise what certain things, how certain things make you feel or not feel. So um, I could easily have three or four coffees a day and mm. probably used to have a lot more coffee and now after practising mindfulness for a little while now I notice quite quickly the different sensations in my body, the agitation, the jitteriness, yeah. much more than I used to. I used to just think that was great, that was energy, but now yeah. actually that's not right. really helpful at all. Wow. Um, so I think what mindfulness is promoting is that not in a selfish way, but in a way that does have a flow-on positive benefit to all the people that you come into contact with, that you need to be responsible for yourself and your own happiness, and that if you if you look after yourself well, then you are actually a benefit to those people in your life that you're serving. Mm. Uh, so I think it has made me a better teacher in a lot of ways. I think it's made me a better friend and a better partner in different ways because I'm, I'm less reactive and I'm more in touch with how I'm feeling and able to communicate that clearly to people as well. So if I'm having a bad day rather than maybe just trying to ignore that or not even realising it and just saying something silly, I can communicate that or I can do something about that and it's, it's just wiser. I can make wiser choices. Yeah, right. Myself. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. That's great. Mm -hmm. You said before that uh, the person at Geelong Grammar has been doing it for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. So it's been around for quite a while. That's right. But, it's you know, in a way it, it's not so much a new thing now, but it, we can almost put a mark on when it did become yeah. more popular. Yeah. But I'm wondering if this, the, the idea of mindfulness, we're giving it this name, mindfulness, is something that 
has been sort of with us since the dawn of time in a way. Yeah, that's right. And you mentioned before other things getting in the way. So, you know, we're not so much aware of ourselves and because of so much information that's coming from everywhere and we sort of get cluttered and we think we're overthinkers and all of that stuff. Do you think historically or as we've been modernised, do you think that's been the demise of something like this in some ways? Um, I think it's interesting that there is this sort of movement happening globally towards kind of a new consciousness or awakening, like um, Eckhart Tolle has that book he put out a few years ago now, but still recently, um, A New Earth. Mm. And he sort of prophesied, his prophecy is that there is a consciousness awareness happening and revolution happening throughout the world that is perhaps in response to the progress that technology and the direction technology is taking us in that more and more people are realizing that that's not necessarily healthy for their minds or bodies and their relationships and yeah. i think during COVID, we saw such um, isolation and so much suffering mm. as a result of that, mm. that people are really looking for and are more open to different ways and strategies that they can use to help themselves feel better in the moment um, that don't always cost a lot of money and things that they can yeah. learn. And so there's been proliferation of free apps and resources available to individuals, but also to teachers and to young people to help them to learn about mindfulness. Um, Jay Shetty, he just, he's a fantastic sort of young voice in that movement too, and he was just in Australia doing a tour. Um, and he's really promoting through his podcast on purpose this idea of mindfulness but you know how to, how to be healthy in the modern world mm. where you know, you know he's using technology and that's the irony of it a lot of these a lot of the information about yeah you've got to go through, through technology, technology. <laughs> uh, but i think it's it's about being able to be part of the world because you can't just go and become a monk and live under a mm. you know a tree mm. you have to be out yeah. in the world but being mindful in the same way that you're mindful of what you're eating mm. you're mindful of what you what you let your mind consume so if you're filling up your mind constantly with rubbish in the same way that all you ate was junk food you're going to feel terrible yeah like yeah you're going to feel tired and lethargic and down and depressed um but i think we often just think about health in terms of diet and exercise and that physical sense mm. but our our physical health is just as much um, connected to our mental health mm. those things work together so when we start having these conversations about mental health it is about well how do i care for my mind if i expect my mind to be running on marathon all day mm. like do i really think i'm going to feel good at the end of the day if i'm just constantly going so quickly like you need to have those pauses you need to have yeah. those breaks yeah once you go to feel fatigue you're going to be restless, you're going to be useless to your family when you get home, yeah. you're going to be short-tempered, yeah. um, and you're not going to feel healthy and there's no there's no flourishing there and you're just like a, a robot running, 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 and yeah. it's, it's not it's not um, 
it's not wise. I think you sort of said this in a way that, you know, people are seeking the, through those movements, mm -hmm. not just through the movements. I think, you know, the people I speak to are, are seeking some sort of way of getting that peace yeah. and being, you know, they might not put it in those terms of being mindful, yeah. but just being more aware and how that affects a whole range of things. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in seeking better relationships or seeking community. That's right. But all this comes at a cost, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Like we do need to sacrifice certain things. That's right. Be okay to do the the box, yeah. the breathing box. Mm -hmm. But then if I'm going to jump back into, right, I've done my 90 seconds of breathing box and then I jump back into being busy, busy, busy and then, yeah. you know, That's right. picking up my phone and then doing this and looking yeah. at more screens and all of that, yeah. then it's just, it's just survival yeah. in a way. It's exactly. just trying to maintain... So, keep my head above water in some yeah. ways. Yeah. Um, I think that it is about becoming more mindful of your attention and how divided it is so that certainly multitasking wouldn't be something that is really detrimental to mm. your mental health because you're just dividing it so many ways that you're not really doing anything efficiently. Um, one of the other aspects of mindfulness that's interesting is learning about sort of flow states. So if you're having periods of time where you are just focused on one activity, when whether that's writing a newsletter or creating a lesson or doing some homework, um, but that's all you're doing. And if you just make one thing in focus, mm. then that one thing might actually be a lot more pleasurable if you get into that state of flow yeah. and you're not letting other things interrupt you. So it might be the case that you have to put your phone in the other room or you can do a sign on the door saying, you're busy or you make that space to let people know that this is what you're doing at this time it's it's hard sometimes to do that because life will interrupt you in the same way that when you're practicing mindfulness you know thoughts are going to come in you can't stop thoughts from coming in mindfulness is not about trying to empty your mind of thoughts because it's impossible yeah. but you just notice the thought and then you gently bring your attention back to where you want it to be um, so it is really a kind of Tension training. So in those periods of time when you're practicing mindfulness, maybe just five or ten minutes to start with, you're constantly practicing being interrupted. So the thought comes in, the interruption comes in, or the sound comes in, or something from the environment comes in. You notice it, you don't judge it, you just notice it, and then you bring your attention back. You do that over and over and over again, and that you're rehearsing not to get better at doing mindfulness, you're rehearsing to get better at doing life. Yeah. So that when you are in life and that happens, yeah. okay, yes, someone knocked at the door, okay, but I'm now going back to my yeah. thing that I'm doing and I keep going back to that thing and yeah. it's where my attention is and I can, you can't stop the interruptions, it's absolutely yeah. normal. So you respond to things differently. Yeah, but you're not letting your mind get hijacked, okay, now I'm doing another mm. thing for 10 minutes and mm. now I'm going to try and come back to this for 15 minutes and going back and yeah. forward so quickly you can't get into any any flow state at all and so you're really ineffective with yeah. your time in that way get nothing done yeah i guess that's what i was sort of alluding to you know that that's the cost isn't it like mm -hmm. having to give up another way of thinking or another way of being another way of living which is again that's survival in a way isn't it just mm -hmm. this is how i i do yes. life and this is how i yeah. deal with those things it's not just to be functional because, mm. as you say, you know, you can do so much and be less functional. Mm. But everyone's learned a way of coping mm. 
and you, and what you're offering is saying, well, you don't have to cope that way, which is stressful, which is detrimental to you. Yeah. What do you think you had to lose in order to go on this journey? What did you have to sacrifice in order mm. to be more mindful? Yeah, well, in the beginning it was time. It was a time commitment. Um, and so I had to make time and find time. Um, I don't think I had to give up too much. I feel like practice of mindfulness helped me to be clearer in some ways about what was important mm. and what I valued. Right. And so that allowed me maybe to remove some extra things from my life um, that freed up sort of time sure. and space. Yeah. Um, and be, uh, I think that's the thing too, that sometimes we can we can just continue to go down a path because we think that's the right path, but if we don't stop and sort of check in with ourselves and think, all right, am I, is this the path I want to go down, like, or am I just sort of on an automatic pilot? Yeah, yeah. Um, being really clear about your purpose and what's important, what your values are, I think you can't do that unless you really give yourself time to stop and reflect and be with yourself and to think. No one can sort of tell you what that is. You have to really work with that yourself. And I think I'm still sort of on a journey of that discovery. I don't think that ever really changes. Yeah, right. But I certainly get a lot of joy and satisfaction out of working with people in this area. So I feel like that's a sign that there's something in that for me that personally is rewarding and I want to keep doing more of right. that. Um, and, and, you know, it made me really... Um, Reevaluate my own English teaching as well in terms of what the purpose of that was. And sometimes with the HSC, you can sort of feel like it is a bit of a treadmill and it's just all about marks. And really, those things, you know, the marks and they are important, but there's certainly never been a thing that's drawn me towards wanting to teach English was for my students to get good marks. Mm -hmm. That was never, ever a motivating factor. Um, and so having that time to kind of reflect and think about, well, why am I teaching the subject? Um, and then that renewed my love for the subject because really I see it as a, a humanities that is about teaching about the world and about, you know, how to be in the world and you can look at that through texts and you can yeah. look at it through language and think about the way that language can empower and also disempower different groups and there's, you know, that sort of social justice um, aspect of it and the humanity aspect of it and what we can learn through great literature and modern texts as well. That's sort of what I love about teaching English and sort of going back and remembering that because I think in the busyness sometimes you can get, you can lose that yeah. that focus and you just, yeah. it becomes all about just getting all the jobs done. Sure. Yeah, yeah good on you. Yeah. So you're now the uh, mindfulness coordinator. What sort of things are you doing? What sort of yeah. things would you like to do uh, in terms of the school? Mm -hmm. uh, staff, students, mm -hmm. maybe parents? What, what's yeah. in your mind? <laughs> um, well, I guess at the moment what I'm doing is working from 7 to 12 and two mornings a week. Um, students are invited to come into a sort of opt-in mindfulness session. Um, we've been focusing mainly on body and sort of body scans as the first sort of for the first term, um, and different new groups on different sort of days. So um, 
60 group split over those two Tuesday and Friday mornings. Um, and we've had some interest from different students, individual students coming down in small groups and also form teachers coming bringing their form classes down. Great. Um, so this morning I worked with a Year 7 form class and we did an Easter-themed mindfulness activity. Wow. So we were doing um, some slow-motion eating with Easter eggs and looking at the Easter egg and smelling the Easter egg and then eventually eating the Easter egg. Wow. But that is sort of a bit of a symbol of you know, really savouring the moment and savouring those precious little kind of chocolate egg moments in our life that might be, you know, a beautiful sunrise or, you know, the birds chirping, but slowing down to notice those things and trying to savour them and let them last a little bit longer. So rather than eating eggs and just eating one and then wrapping, mm. unwrapping the next one already ready sure. to eat the next one before you even enjoy the first sure. one, sure. using that as a bit of a metaphor for, well, let's think about how we're, in our lives. Yeah, right. They were great. They were very good. They had lots of interest, interesting observations to make. Um, and then got a couple more things a little bit like that coming up this term. And next term, looking to do some things with the Year 11 retreat. So mm. going along on the retreat to run some nature mindfulness, doing a couple right. of activities outside. Um, because I think the more you can connect the practice to nature, mm. um, the better it is, I think, for your well-being. I think yeah. there's a lot that yeah. you can gain from being outside in nature and just having that sense of awe and wonder of the natural world and remembering that you're a part of that. Yeah, yeah. Again, in the modern world, sometimes you just forget and you just think everything is either virtual or man-made, but there's a whole natural, beautiful world out yeah, there. Yeah, that's that right. We don't often get to experience as much as we'd like That's to. right. So the retreat should be exciting. Um Still working with the counsellors as well. So sort of working with them to think about different ideas and I've been doing that for a few years now. Um, last year we did, I did a couple of different things for staff um, at different meetings and also the app staff. I ran a mindfulness session for the app staff and that was really well attended and we had some nice feedback from that. Good. So um, carving out my role, um, I guess, bit by bit. I would like to do some more work with the primary school. Last year I did some classes with the U4s and that was really exciting. And I hadn't worked with the primary before, but it was wonderful because That's they're great. naturally yeah. curious and open minded yeah. and yeah. open to different things. Yeah. Not so worried about what they look like or yeah. happy to be a little bit silly and fun. It's almost like teaching someone a new skill, mm -hmm. but it's also embedded in us anyway. Yes, definitely. You know, like yes. I often say, we all have the ability to to love other people. Mm -hmm. We don't need to be taught that, no, but we actually no. have the ability. It's just That's being right. aware of it. Or just... Exactly. I definitely um, take an inquiry approach to teaching mindfulness. So it's, um, I'm not the expert. Like I can't tell you what's inside of you. Mm. It's about being a guide to help someone to discover things about themselves. So there are different practices and ways and methods that may suit you or may not. And there's mm. like a whole gamut of different things. It's about finding kind of what works for you, trying some different things out, but then it is just a guide. I am just sort of just the guide in that sense. Yeah. That it is, there's, you, there's already, a, you know, you have peace of mind and you have love, you have all those things inside you. Yeah. And it's about remembering that they're there and, and kind of almost um, taking away some of those layers yeah. and unpacking yeah. that and letting that come through and, and seeing it seeing it for yourself 
um, and asking those kinds of self-reflective questions about, you know, who am I? And mm. I can't answer that for anyone else. You can mm. only answer that for yourself. Mm. But mindfulness, I think, gives you the opportunity to, to stop and pause and to sort of think a little bit more about that and what mm. do what is important to me. And, and that those things are very much um, an individual thing that can't be taught. Yeah, no, that's right. You can be... You can be Questioning is a good tool. Yeah. So it's almost like facilitating. Facilitating, so that's right. Yeah. Um, helping to, to give people, young people and you know, older people as well the opportunity just to you know, feel comfortable to, to do that and feel like there is sort of a way in which they can do that. Mm. Um, and sometimes with others, I think there is, a, there is power in doing it with a, within a collective, mm. um, within a group and with someone who is a real person in front of you rather than just listening to a voice on an app. I think yeah. there is a lot of power in that sense of feeling safe yeah. um, emotionally and, and that's not, you know, not strange to be doing this. But, you know, this yeah. is something that a lot of people do. Yeah, and being supported in that, that as well. I think you can that support. There's lots of questions that I still have about mindfulness that you know, lots of people have. Yeah. Well, thanks very much. And if anyone wants to ask more questions about what we're doing here or what Amy's doing here in terms of mindfulness or have any other questions about it at all, you can send those through to me and I can send them off to Amy. Or if you're a parent here, of course, you can contact Amy directly. But thank you very much again for listening. I hope that that's been uh, a helpful conversation. I hope that you're able to uh, be aware of your own mind what you're thinking and being able to to develop that in some way hope you're all well i look forward to seeing you around and uh, take care bye bye